My question for you is, are you running towards or away from your success? And you may be thinking like, Denise, I'm listening to this podcast. Like, of course, I'm like, I'm headed toward it. But you may give yourself some pause after you have this time listening to my conversation I had with Rhonda Parker-Taylor. She is a writer, a accomplished academic researcher, but more importantly, a woman who has a lot of grit, tenacity, and willing to learn from her mistakes. If you are interested in learning more about Rhonda and learning more about who you are through the lens of her career success, then this is a conversation that you really are going to find value in. And we're going to get to so much more coming to you after this short break. Hey, Rhonda, how are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You know, when we first met each other, I was thinking, well, like she's a busy lady. She's very accomplished. I mean, I know that you're you're promoting your book. We're going to leave uh, in the show notes below the links to your book, but you're a scholar, you're a professional, you just led a very illustrious life. And as we were talking earlier, I realized there was a lot of things that weren't talked about amongst mm. all of the successes. And what I like to do is instead of talking about all the successes that you've had, I like to hit the rewind button and show the people who are listening that the success was built on a lot of pain a lot of grit and a lot of determination. And you and I are common. I am also a child of immigrants. My husband's an immigrant. So I know that that the, the determination and that grit to push through, but there's there's a lot of consequences that come from that. So would you be so kind though for the for the benefit of everyone like who's listening to kind of just briefly explain like who you are now and then we're gonna hit the rewind button and go through your history if you don't mind. Oh, that's that is that's perfectly fine. First of all, thank you everybody for joining us. I, I I have to admit, you know, I've done a lot of podcasts, but this one seems particularly important. So I really hope that as we talk today, that um, you'll see that everybody has opportunity, but also that for that opportunity it also means you have to be honest with yourself. Who I am today, I am a wife, I am an academic researcher, I'm a writer, um, and I'm, you know, a mother of fur babies right now. Um, And I would have to say that I'm a, a person that has realized that achieving personal goals isn't always just the answer. Um, It's an aspiration, but at the same time, it's the continual learning process that has brought me to where I am. Yes, I academically, I'm very strong at this point. Wasn't intended to be that way at first. I had learning disabilities, Um, but I did get a a first associates in in, um, fashion. Um, Then it was a bachelor's then it was a master's, and then it was a doctorate, all of them in business. So academically, you know, I can say I'm mentally strong, um, but th- I don't know everything, and I continually have to be a life learning learner to cultivate myself and others to be the best version of themselves. And that is my goal today, is helping people 
be the best version of who they are. Um, too many years wasted, probably, comparing and wondering and wanting and not realizing, wait a minute, my life's perfectly great. You know, I know that people who are listening are like, man, I would be better if I got a doctorate. I would be better if I had people know about my name. I would be better if I was in Hollywood or affiliated with like famous people. You've had all of that. Right. But I've had a lot of, of the other. In life, there are ups and downs, highs and lows, and it, everything in between. You know, some days is just sitting down and watching TV. Um, but... I like those things. My dad used to call me a butterfly. He says, when are you going to get any kind of focus? You hop from flower to flower with no real purpose. And you know what? I do like flowers. And I do like hopping from thing to thing because that's who I am. But that's not for everybody. So, yes, maybe your life would be better if you got a doctorate. But is that really who you are? You know, some people, like I, I, I used to have um, contact with a, a young woman when in my younger years, we were friends, we grew up together, and she was the best homemaker. She kept three by five cards on her husband's um, business partners and what they had, to, what, what they liked to drink and eat and made sure that he was successful. That's who she was, you know, so you have to figure out who you are, and if it's to have a doctorate, then yes, strive for it, go for it. You can do it, and it just takes time. All it is is a, you know, to me, education, although you're learning a lot, is a, a practice in beginning and ending, because a lot of people don't do the ending. They just get a few years in, and then they, okay, I've done that one, I'm going on to the other. So, you know, everybody has a purpose, and it's about finding your purpose. All right, this is this is where we're going to get a little a little personal. Okay. <laughs> I was, I, and you you know I was kind of prepping you for this. Yes, that's fine. When you're in the process of going through undergrad and grad school, was there always a little nagging voice in the back of your mind, like from your mom specifically, <laughs> as well as your dad saying, we just work through this and we just get her done, get her done. They may not have said get her done, but you understand what I'm trying to say. Um, of course, you know, I come from a big family. There's five of us. So um, my brother was the smart one, the, my middle brother. Um, my um, older sister, she was, you know, the one that was going to have all the children and have the happy home. And, and I had to find what was good for me and I was the first girl in my entire family to go to college so college even though from my older brother he went to Rose Holman Engineering which is a very prestigious one he did everything my father wanted him to do so he could run help run his his business um education really wasn't a focus for you were to work hard and have a family and and make sure everybody was okay. So, yes, that voice was instilled in me. I wanted something that was mine. I wanted to be the most educated. Now, my sister, she wanted to be the one that made the most money. And she went into sales and she accomplished that. So everybody has a voice inside of them and it tells them. 
who they want, who they, who they are intended to be. It's a matter of listening to it. If, if Jonah had listened to what his purpose, he wouldn't have been eaten by a whale and spit up in, in the city that he was supposed to go to begin with. So, you know, we all have a purpose. And for me, my purpose, and for me to get to where I could mentor others required that I continue to be a life learner. Do you believe it was your learning disability that? Oh, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So when I was in school, I I flunked pre-K and kindergarten. Who flunks pre-K and kindergarten? You know, who does that? Um, so I was social but shy. So um, when it came to like reading the victory drill books and the McGuffrey readers and stuff, it just didn't click in, in my brain. I, you know, I would be up trying to read aloud in front of everybody in the class and be petrified. And it, in my then after elementary school, I went in, I was in high school. I just barely, you know, got by and, um, I had to pass cause I went to a private school. I had to pass an English profici proficiency test to graduate. I didn't. I, I flunked. In my junior year, I flunked, so I had one more year to get there. And it was a 98-pound, literally a tiny, tiny young uh, um, woman at the time um, that said, I will tutor you. So this was my really first mentor other than my family throughout, you know, my years. And she said, just, you know, over the summer, you can come over to my house and we'll get you through it. So I did that all summer. We, we She tutored me and she got to know some of my adversities that I had gone through. And when it came time for me to say, okay, what do I owe you? I had been working at an Arby's at that point. She says, you owe me nothing. Just pass the test. And part of that was because she learned some of my challenges. And sometimes in life, I find that if we don't take that little small step to, to understand the people around us, we have no empathy. We have no ability to help them because we're just not listening. So she listened and she heard and she and I passed the test. I want to dig in more into this mentorship experience because I think everybody really needs to understand that mentors just don't show up randomly. No, no, they're God-given. Whatever you're, you're feeling about religion or people or humanity, the karma, whatever, it, that doesn't matter. They are put in your path for a reason. And it's up to you to accept it. How many times have we tried to teach someone something and they're not listening? And <laughs> you try to somebody and you try to, and it, you know, it, it could be as easy as, hey, you need to get your driver's license or, hey, you need to um, get a job or, you know, whatever it might be. It might be something very simple to us, but the person just doesn't listen. Um, so mentorship is a two-way street. It's not about me or that mentor giving me everything. I had to be willing to accept it. I wanted to graduate. So as I was sitting on the floor, I was also rambling like a 17-year-old girl would, you know, uh, that's more worried about probably boys and, and um, you know, getting out, you know, going to their prom or their homecoming or whatever, you know. But I was rambling about some of the challenges that I'd gone through, and she got to know me. She listened, and she realized that there was more going on in my mental 
um, status that I needed, you know, that nurturing. So uh, mentoring is a big part of everybody's journey if we allow it to be. I know that people are listening here and they're like, well, that's awesome, Rhonda, <laughs> but, but <laughs> I got nobody around me. Nobody's interested in me. I feel overwhelmed with my pain and my sorrow. So that's nice, but I'm different. We're all different. We're all different, you know, and I think that, yeah, they may, they may, that mentor may not be in your normal scope of things because, you know, it wasn't my sister at that time. It wasn't my brother at that, my time, at that time. It wasn't a mother or a father or an aunt or an uncle. It was someone literally that was a stranger, you know, so sometimes it's about opening up, um, who you are to the person that can, can provide that mentorship. It could be that you have to join a group. You have to be, for me, I had to actively look for who I needed to model. And in her case, it was for that, that moment in my professional life, my first professional job, there were some young, uh, young women then but that were older than me, but you know, that I'm, saw how they handled themselves in the business world. And so I modeled myself after them. And then there, I, you know, then I had the other women and men in my life. My sister, I've modeled myself after her at times. She's a, you know, very wise individual. Just, we're just different. So listening to her, um, it was why I finally put crossroads out when she said, you know, what are you afraid of? Why aren't you doing it? You've got it done. It's sitting there. Why aren't you publishing it? You know, what are you afraid of? You know, and I had to really think about why am I holding myself back? And I think we all hold ourselves back when there's fear, fear of being vulnerable. You know, I want to add a little bit more to what you're saying. You know, I, as I think about the things that I've read about you, the, the conversations that we had, there was always this theme that I needed to prove my worth. I need to prove my sense of purpose and being. And I think about, I, I, I kind of, I go back to your dad because I, I could hear his voice mm -hmm. always there saying, oh, she's just scattered. I can't really do anything. I'm busy trying to run the business. I got these other kids. I got, she's not going. Did you ever feel like there was a part of you that felt like you weren't even worthy to ask for the help? I would say yes. And I also was too stubborn to. Because my, if you've met my father, we call him, everybody calls him either Parker or Bill or Wild Bill. He had all these nicknames because everybody loved him. So there was always people around him, whether it be business partners or other kids, my other siblings, or whether it was my mom. And I didn't want to have to ask. I wanted it to be given to me. But you know, sometimes an empty mouth doesn't get fed unless you open it, you know. So I learned, and it, and unfortunately for me and for him, it was, you know, the last years of his life that I got that one-on-one -on -one time in caring for him. And it was the biggest privilege to me when he finally said, thank you for caring for me. My sister had been there for years caring for him. And, you know, it, 
it took him to have that one-on-one -on -one time to see me. So you have to schedule that in your relationships. I was stubborn and he was busy and stubborn. And, but I'm probably the most like him at times. You know, when people, when people are like, oh, that's what your dad would do. Or you, you look like your dad or, you know, whatever it might be. And I have to say, you know, I probably am a lot like him. He was driven in a different mindset. He's a male, but, you know, with kids, but we are so similar in our drive and wanting to be accepted, loved, and prove that we could do it. You know, he started his business in a barn and grew it to a mid-sized manufacturing company. How awesome is that? But what commitment did it take to, to be able to do that? It came at a price though. Yes. Price. Yeah. The price for him, and he would say it to this day, was in his family relationships, you know, whether it'd been with my mother, you know, or, you know, or me or my, you know, my other siblings or, or even maybe to himself, you know, he, um, although he was a uh, cigarette smoker, you know, being in a manufacturing environment, you know, he, he died of emphysema, you know, so all of that contributed to not only who he is from the positive, but to the negative part too. I want to go to graduate school. Okay. All right. I want, I want to go to graduate school. And I want to talk about those moments where you thought, am I really here for me? Or am I here for what I think it will give me? Oh, wow. So after I got my bachelor's, I kind of just rolled right into my master's program. I didn't even think I have to have a master's. I'm in business. I have to have a master's. I have to have an MBA and really hadn't thought about any other programs or options. You know, there are a lot of other options after you get your bachelor's. I could have gone into social sciences. I could have gotten, you know, but it had to be money driven. It had to be, you know, the business and, um, I think when I started to think about when it, if it was for me, was when I started the thesis process and what was I going to write about? I didn't like finance, you know, um, and what, and then, you know, you see the student loans coming in and, you know, and, and then I, I realized that at that point, that I was still trying to strive to be someone. I had forgotten some of the lessons of self-care, self-awareness, what my purpose was, what are the relationships. And it came as, just as my father building his business had a price, it was coming at a price too, whether it be, you know, I was not able to go go out with my friends or I was creating new friends than the ones that I might have had at a younger age, you know? And so I had to evaluate what is it that I want to be known for? And it wasn't money. So yes, I still finished and I still went into my doctorate and it's still in business because that was the path I'd gone on. But I realized I wanted it to be in development. 
I wanted it to be more towards helping others find their purpose. And, you know, I had gone through the process of um, helping people through youth groups and things like that. And I realized that there was a need, a big need for people to learn not only how to find a job, but keep a job, the skill sets, the soft skill sets that make you successful um, in the business world. So I was like, okay, I need to start studying the softer skills of business, the emotional intelligence, the um, self-actualization, the motivation. It wasn't about the accounting and the finance. I had to pick this other purpose that was more me. I'm really, I'm really thankful for the honesty and we're, and, and thankful that we're going to go into that, that space where we're saying, you know what, if I'm going to continue this path, I'm going to be spending all this money. It's got to be something that can help another generation become successful. And I, I want to go into the while you were being mentored during your doctoral thesis. This is this is something I've always wanted to ask you. <laughs> okay, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> I'm like I'm bracing for impact as I say this. Your mentor, right? Mm-hmm. Was were they fully present in helping you develop as a person, or helping just to say, okay, I've pushed this other student through. They pushed the other student through. And mm-hmm. I, I learned more from a friend that was in the doctoral program. His name was Joe. Um, and we would get together to write. And neither one of us had a guidance. We had the same mentor, but we had to push ourselves through. And... Knew we knew each other's weaknesses. Uh, we knew our each other's challenges. Um, him and his partner. He didn't live anywhere close to where I lived. His him and his partner lived in um, San Francisco, and they had a young girl that they were raising. And I lived in Indiana. Very different individuals all the way. His background was in. Um, healthcare administration, you know, and mine was in business and manufacturing and a little bit of finance as I um, got more education. But, you know, I learned more from the peers that that really wanted to make it, that also struggled. There were peers that just flew through the process, you know, and they had people probably along the way gone through it. But in my case... Um, it ended up that, um, I didn't have anybody that gone through the process. My parents hadn't gone through, you know, a doctoral process. They had no, it was all foreign to them. They couldn't tell me, you know, to this day, they would say, well, I didn't know how to do that. So, you know, I was outside of my realm. So we pulled each other through. Some people had that, that background, you know, where maybe someone in their family had gone gone through graduate schools but none of them yeah they I probably the 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 individuals that mentored me the most were the ones that we sat there together and tried to to write it now how do you do a literature review how do you do it you know these things so um they just pushed me through so I think that's why it's so important when I work with my students that they they know the process 
I think it's really important that um, that you mentioned that that a well, couple of things. A your mentor may not be exactly having the exact same background, exact same skill sets, but they actually have the curiosity, the aptitude, and the humbleness to even admit the, their own personal feelings as they were going through their learning process. And Joe was his name, correct, Joe? And Joe jo was there. And, you know, it's hilarious to listen to you talk about this so frankly, because ac academia is a beast. And the fact that you actually emerge still with your soul intact is remarkable to me. <laughs> <laughs> People talk about politics as a beast, like academia is a beast. And and there is this this idea of like, we gotta, we've got to uh, get this grant money in. We got to push through these, these these doctoral candidates and 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 people just get lost and they become a cog in the machine of sorts. Right. And and you know they also have their own things that they have to to have to worry about. I think the main thing, and this is not just academically, when you're setting out on a journey, is cultivating meaningful relationships and finding that connection that can bring you to the same purpose. Now, my doctoral program, even though the same as Joe's, our, our dissertations were completely different. His was healthcare, mine was um, in manufacturing. I did it on the multinational leaders. Um, but you, we, we cultivated a meaningful relationship that supported each other. And we've really found a balance and harmony in that to be able to, to find um, our life's purpose, you know, and, and, that, and I think everybody has to do that. Make a positive impact, not only on self, but others. Mm, that, that's a really good point because we can't give unless we want to be filled up. Oh, yeah. And if you're yeah. not willing or not open to it, then, it, you know, basically you're wa walking in the blind. Hmm. Now I want to now want to fast forward a little bit in time, and, <laughs> and so now you're teaching, right? You have arrived, but did you really arrive? I want to. Uh, I I, I want to <laughs> talk about your personal life right. while you were teaching, because I think that's a very interesting story. Okay, boy. Yeah. Um, well. While I was teaching, well, I think we need to rewind a little bit. One of my purposes is I, I love young people. And I was a youth group director for years, and I worked at Adopt-A-Blocks, which actually comes out a little bit in um, Crossroads, because when I was in the Adopt-A-Blocks, I would see what people would go through. Crossroads your book. Crossroads your yeah, book. I want to make sure that way people know. There you go. Um, the... Um, I saw the injustices of life. It could be in the legal system and it could be in people's experiences. Um, and I didn't like it, but I didn't know what I could do about it other than be in these committees and sit at the desks. I mean, that's, you know, that's what I do, right? So um, there was a young woman about the same age as me that, you know, her son was in my youth group. And he had gotten into a fight at one of the, at a, one of his schools and just called on a regular day like we always did and called and said, you know, are you coming to basketball? And, and she's like, no, he broke his hand. 
And I'm like, oh, how'd that happen? He'd gotten in a fight. And she says, I'm not sure I can send him back to school because it happened to be um, a person that would retaliate, most likely. There would be another altercation. And then, of course, he thought he was Reggie Miller and um, liked to do the trash talking. So it was a, it would have been a um, disaster. So, you know, we talked about it a little bit and I said, just bring him to me. We will do the best we can do. We'll work it out. And so she did. And he showed up at the front door and we ended up taking um, permanent guardianship of him. Um, in that process, we raised him together. So this is another one of those situations where sometimes it's not the ideal situation, but it's the best alternative. And me and his mother raised him through the ups and the downs, the goods and the bads. And um, then when he became, when I was in college going through, you know, and teaching, I was through in my doctoral programs, done with my thesis and my graduate, and I was teaching at a college level, um, he was working at a bar. And they had put somebody out that evening, and when they opened up the doors at last call, he was shot and killed. And so were most of the security team um, at that, that evening. And that's one of those moments that you have to kind of think, you know, how do you survive something like that? Two women that raise someone for the better of life, and then at, at the same moment of what you tried to protect him from, ended up still being the outcome. It was heartbreaking. Um, and... During that moment, too, then I had to, I, I was still trying to teach that same age group, you know, the 20s. And I had to step back and I decided then that, that I would, you know, start working from a different perspective to protect myself emotionally from, from having to work with that age group. Now I'm past that and I can work with that age group again. But sometimes life throws you curveballs. And, you know, um, it's not always fair. And those curveballs, it's up to, I found that it's up to me to embrace how I'm going to be resilient over that, that, that situation and adapt my life to fit my new circumstances. And so, you know, I still finished my doctorate, but, you know, it, it was a very different life. You know, I had met a, a woman that was so unselfish and so loving to her own family that I had to learn from that. That she gave her son to another woman to raise, you know? So sometimes it's not the optimal opportunity, you know, situation, but it's the best for the circumstances. You know, everybody wants to talk about your connections with Hollywood. Everybody wants to talk about... <laughs> uh, your mentoring program. Everyone's talked about like all the things that makes Rhonda like so fabulous. But do people really ask you about how did you feel during these junk? Because every time you you had a win, there was something bad going on at the same time. Right. You know, I think that people like to hear about the triumph part of it, and they don't, you know. And I like to talk about the triumph. So you know, we made it through, but you know. But yet, 
life is that way sometimes. Sometimes they're more brutal than others. You know, some losses are, you know, and sometimes it's just a matter of finding the moment to get your thoughts together. So if I were to say what makes me tick in those brutal moments, I would have to go back to probably the immigration aspects of things. You know, what I was taught as a kid, life isn't fair. Life, you know, so um, when I got bad news one time, there was a crack in the wall. When the foundation, you know how it settles and you can just get a slight crack in the corner. And I saw it as I was getting the bad news and my mind just followed it to the top corner and I took a deep breath, and that was just enough time of focusing outside of myself to say, okay, this is another one of those moments. And I didn't end up in the bed not being able to get out of it because I was like, okay, you got to the corner. <laughs> now you got some things you have to deal with. And to be successful within yourself emotionally, you have to identify the pain. And that's part of emotional intelligence for being successful in anything. You have to identify the emotion, whether it be pain, anger, um, disillusionment. There's so many things that can happen to a person. And when you identify it and you name it and you claim it, you can then deal with it. Um, and dealing with it may take time, but you can at least feel proud of the one achievement and that's what you know what you're upset about or what what has hurt you and no given your background and given everything that you've gone through and probably it, the other women that were as successful if not more successfully around you can make you feel discouraged about like okay these they seem to be happy about it but are they really happy about it? And my question is like, where was those moments where you were allowing yourself to be vulnerable, not just with yourself, but with other people? Well, probably in the moments of um, adversity. Mm. You know, I, um, I have a lot of grit, you know, um, and I keep a lot of things to myself. But when you're, helping a loved one that's struggling with health issues or you're, you know, going through a funeral um, and trying to find your way or, you know, going through a bad work situation, whatever the, those adversities are, you can find some joy. And people are like, always tell me, how do you find joy when you're going through hell? Well, what about, I, I was going to care for my father one day and I stopped at a stoplight and I looked over and a red winged blackboard sat down on my side view mirror on the passenger side. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, how in the world am I going to drive away without hurting this bird? And it was very beautiful. They're beautiful birds. And um, I, I watched him and I thought, take a picture. I took a picture of it, not thinking that this was going to be one of those life altering moments for me. It was just like, okay, now just drive from the light very slowly so he doesn't get hurt. He, he rode with me for about a mile and a half to my father's house. Wow. And I'm fighting so carefully not to hurt him or anything. I get in there and I show my dad the picture and he said, I think that might be my mother because that's my favorite bird. And 
every time I see a red-winged blackbird now, I think, oh, that's my family. You know, it, it gives me that resilience. And yes, it's kind of silly that that, might, that bird might be one of your family members. And it, but it gave me that moment of clarity. I'm getting ready to go work with my father that's been hard on me, you know, all my life. Wanted the best for me, was a good father, but just, you know, worked, you know, worked me to, to mold me to what my purpose was. But he's dying. And this red-winged blackbird in that one moment brought love to my heart to care for it so it wouldn't get hurt, only to find out it was his favorite bird. I love I love listening to the story. I love this idea of this red-winged blackbird just stopping you from plowing through the day rather than having that right. moment to pause. And who and it it's serendipitous you know that and indeed had a very emotional like connection with, with your father and you you know as you as you talked about that experience you gave me the thought about so many successful quote-unquote what, what who knows what success everybody thinks is like having a Lamborghini in your your your, your front yard or whatever is <laughs> anyway the, the, this idea of are we allowing ourselves to be graced by those moments where we can think beyond our pain and beyond our struggles, beyond our frustrations? Are we allowing ourselves those gifts? Because I truly believe that you were given that gift. Exactly. Were you open to receive it? And the answer at that moment was yes. And sometimes you may not be, but if you allow yourself, see, that's where um, being self-aware of also your needs because if you're going through something, I mean, it, it could be it could be just a challenge. It doesn't have to be adversity. It could just be okay. When I wrote the book, it took me a year to write it. So it, it, you you have challenges that you have to, but you have to be open. I always, when I'm talking to someone that's going through some challenges and and adversity, have you got your vitamin D in yet? Have you walked outside? I could stay at a computer 24-7. You could ask my husband, and he, and he would confirm that if he didn't drag me out kicking and screaming, then I would sit there. My back would be hurting. I wouldn't get any sleep. I wouldn't eat right. I wouldn't, you know. You have to be self-aware of what being human is. And that's a big one, being human. You know, you can um, get inner peace and, and, and nurture your well-being by just five minutes a day of self-awareness. And I've, you know, we've talked a couple of adversities, but I could go on, I could write a book on, on adversity. You know, being a young, a young naive um, woman, we all have it, what, one out of four go through this, one out of 10 go through that. You know, we can do all the statistics, right? Um, but... If you're not self-aware to nurture that human being in you, you don't learn from those lessons either. You know, you become victims to it. This is where we're going to get a little deeper. Okay, let's okay. do it. All right. <laughs> your current husband is not your only husband. No, I was married once before. That's correct. That is correct. Okay. And this idea of self-care was elusive because it was not compatible with what your first husband wanted or right. of you. 
Right. This is where we're going to get a little deeper, guys. <laughs> so you were a, I'm going to work myself to my body is literally aching kind of lady. And your husband, your first husband was like, so what? Give me more. I would say that that's a, a fairly accurate statement. Okay. Um, when you're young and I, all the young women out there, you want to give the best to everybody. And so I cannot put the blame a hundred percent because I chose to spoil <laughs> and, and and that's the, what it is. And when you do that, there's obviously going to be a, a crossroads at some point that you can't do that. And you can, it doesn't have to be a husband. It can be a loved one, a family member, you know, but you have to set healthy boundaries. I had no idea what healthy boundaries were, you know, um, how do you say no? I still struggle with that. If someone wants me to do something for them, my first thing would be yes. And that was not nurturing me as a person. And I know we talked really seriously about this idea of, of caring for others the more than we care for ourselves. And what I found, found was I was cultivating meaning for everybody else, but not cultivating that meaning for my humanity. My, and it goes back to maybe being my father being from immigrant parents, my, and my father and mother being my mom. I don't want to put her, you know, not include her. Her family worked very hard too. She was, you know, they were Quakers. So they worked the land and then they owned a, a cafeteria where she would work, you know, the, you know, make the best pies and food in, in the, in the city. And people would line up around the block for her uh, cinnamon rolls. And so everybody I knew had this core value of you have to work hard to cultivate for other people, but where's the boundaries that say, oh, wait a minute, I need a moment. Where's the boundaries that says I need the nurturing um, where's the boundary that says, hey, let's um, do this together. Um, or, you know, my desires in life are this. So I had to learn, and it wasn't only in my first marriage, but even the relationship shortly after that until I finally found a person that was strong enough to say, stop, say no, do this. You know, it, it takes someone to nurture you sometimes to realize, wait a minute, you're right. You know, um, overcoming your true, um, self, that's the negative part of you can also be the positive part of you too. So me wanting to help people is a positive trait. People believe that's great. You should, but you have to be able to set those boundaries. You have to be able to say no sometimes and realize that you're fulfilling a purpose, not only for their accomplishments, but yours too. I, I really, I want to thank you for that about honesty for, for a saying like I take ownership for my part of the relationship. I take ownership, ownership of how I was re reacting based on the relationship that I had with my father, because I think a lot of 
I know men and women are both listening to this conversation, but specifically I'm talking to those who grew up not feeling worthy of themselves. Yeah, and if you don't feel worthy, then you overcompensate continually. um, Imagine I was kind of a quiet little girl. Um, Sucked my fingers. These two. (laughs) <laughs> and which shows is a sign of insecurity already. Um, carried a pink blanket. And my first writing class, they say, write your first memory. And of course, I, I couldn't even think of anything at first. There was no first memory. And then the first memory was the destruction of my pink blanket. That right there, every, I was allowing power to, you know, to other people to completely annihilate me as a person. Okay, yeah, you you need to give up a pink blanket. I probably would still be curing it if they hadn't gotten rid of it. But I allowed other people to have that power. And and instead of developing my my young self, that was my first memory, is the destruction of a pink blanket. So when you don't have healthy boundaries, you're giving other people the power. To, to your own happiness. I know this is still a process of you of discovering who you are. And I'm really uh, I, happy to hear about like your, your, your husband's like, no, it's time to stop working, love. Stop <laughs> and I, it. And I, and I do come out kicking and screaming sometimes. No, what do you mean? I still have, I got this. I still got to do that. I got, but I have, you know, it, I have to do the self care. I have to. You know, I'm going to be old soon. I, I'm not quite claiming it yet, but I, I, I'm kicking it, you know, and I have to remember that, you know, okay, you have a, you know, you have to stretch. You have to get your back right. You have to make sure that you have all these things. You have to eat right. You have to take a walk. All of these things, but it, if it hadn't been, I probably would be in that office, you know, 12, 15 hours a day because I had done it for many years. I know you mentor people, and I know that you could probably tell people who are saying, I want to, Bonnie, please teach me. Please help me. I, 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 I want to get my uh, a doctor. I want to do all these things. But you could just tell they, their mind is scattered 5,000 different directions. Do you pause and like, you know what, I, I know you're talented. I know that you have desire, but are you really here? Right. Yes. And I think the first thing that I would tell a person that wants to change and navigate their their world to include education is do you have a space you know where in I, I want you to visualize where are you going to sit down and read where are you going to sit down and write where are you going to put your books do you have a space that is yours have you talked to your family whoever's around you so you have the support to do this, because if you don't have the space, then you're not going to be successful. I had, and this is part of the um, vulnerability part that we've talked about. After my first re- major relationship um, and, and husband, I was a little scattered and I dated, of course, like we all do. And one of the things that I would do in one of the relationships, just to give myself the space, is I buy a bottle of alcohol. Guess why? He'd disappear. 
Wow. He would take that alcohol and go share it with everybody else. That's pain. That's pain. But you've got to build the structure in your own home to be successful. And to do that, that requires um, mindfulness of what your true environment is. You can't be successful for yourself if you haven't put the structure in place for you to be successful. Whatever that structure is. If you want to make coffee, you can't make coffee if you don't have a coffee pot and you don't have the beans or you don't have, you know, the pods or however you're going to do it. So how do you think you're going to make it through your educational journey without a structure that's going to be successful? That's quotable. You can't be (laughs) successful without structure. That's quotable. I love that. Because I think a lot of people who are listening, I mean, you're listening to the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast, you're thinking like you're just going to listen to this podcast and you're going to ride off, <laughs> you know, and g- gallop your way to like fame and fortune and being on Forbes 100 list or whatever. But all that ambition it can't, can't be held if, you're, if you've got like pockets of emptiness within you. Right. You don't have that support. If you don't have that sense of, of, of inner well-being, if you're if you're being haunted by messages from the past. And those messages from the past can be um, just like the ghost of Christmas, you know, Christmas past. It, it, you you have to mentally heal yourself. And structure is not just for you to do it because you can't do everything on your own. You have to have a team. In my case, my better half is my husband. He sets the structure for this house. He's a strong man and there is no arguing once it's time. But at the same time, I also have to have the structure, whether it be my computer, whether it be a team member that can answer the phone, set my calendar. Matter of fact, my husband today said, you know, I'm going to take over your schedule. about it but you know what sometimes I need someone to say you need 20 minutes to get ready for this or you're not going to be successful you know so and the point in that is is the structure has to be there and you can make it up as you go along you know um you got to have a marketing person a lot of times people write books and think oh I'm going to write the book and it's automatically going to be a New York Times seller bestseller no you got to have I picked a, a hybrid company to um help me be successful because they had the contacts, they had the, the marketing knowledge. I didn't have that. I'd marketed before, but my, my, my knowledge of getting a book out there um, and getting the right people in place is far less than what, you know, someone that's done 3000 books and has the contacts right there. So I chose a, that hybrid um, environment for me to be successful as an entrepreneur in writing. Same thing with your business world. Everything's got an operations. They've got a finance department. They have an accounting department. They, you know, every business has these, the, somebody's got to do that work. And if you can't do it yourself as an entrepreneur, then you got to hire someone to do it. I know I got people here who have been listening to this podcast for years. And like, I'm a, I'm a one man. I'm a one woman shop. I can do everything. I, that's why I got podcasts. I got books. I can do this. I can, I can go on Google and Google will tell me how to build my website. Google will tell me how to self publish my book. Google will tell me all this stuff. I don't need this. Is that sense of 
stubbornness that comes from an idea that I don't want to be vulnerable with other people. You know what? And you're describing me from the beginning. At the beginning, that's what I was like. I One of the fun, funniest stories was when I tried to do my marketing for mentoring and writing. I needed marketing dollars and I needed a marketing platform. But guess what? I didn't have it. I was in education. So education isn't the best paying profession in the world. I might've been at the top, but guess what? <laughs> the, the, the dollar is not there. The Benjamin is not seen in education unless you have another, another platform. So I'm like, how am I going to do this? I'm going to do it. So I built my, my, my first website. And then I'm like, I'm going to use Craigslist. Well, Craigslist had this coding system where you could only have one phone, you know, per ad. And, that, you know, Indianapolis isn't the biggest market. But guess what? There were pay phones back then. So I went to every pay phone in any, Indianapolis with my little laptop, got the code, made the ad, and, and had it in every major city in the United States. That's the entrepreneur that I learned from my father and my mother. But... Can I do that today? Well, first of all, there's not pay phones. And second of all, <laughs> second of all, who has the time and the energy standing in the summertime and the heat trying to look professional and you're, in, you know, in the, in the worst neighborhoods in, in the city trying to dial codes so that you can get a free ad. So you have to be wise in your decisions. You can't be everything. You can't. You can maybe start it at the beginning that way and make enough income to get you to the next level. But at some point, you have to say, okay, I'm turning this over, this piece over to a professional that knows how to do it. I still today want to take the wheels back and take a look at it. And, and But I'm, I'm like, okay, this part of the marketing, they're doing this part I'll look at. And then, you know, and we go back and forth. But you still have to be wise. If you're not wise... You're, you're creating a monster for yourself of death because you're going to work yourself to the bones and not make any money. I'm going to say some real stuff. I think somebody here needs to be hearing. And I know you've, you're going to feel this energy as I say this. Okay, behind the hustle, behind the self-sufficiency, behind the desire to achieve lays a deep lack of purpose and value. Because if you really understood your purpose and your value, then you wouldn't be scattered. Then you wouldn't be running, digging through your purse, looking for coins to go through the pay, pay phone. <laughs> you wouldn't be going through this energy right. if you had an anchor that puts you straight and center to the direction you need to be going. You know what? It's so fascinating. I, I, I I haven't cruised in a while. You know, this whole COVID thing really messed stuff up for me, my husband. But one of the things I find very interesting is even these big, huge carnival, Disney cruise ships, They every time they go to port, they have this this, this anger like this bigger than like, like four cars put together and they just drop that bad boy in. And you're thinking, wait a minute, it's so big. It's so massive. Why do you need an anchor? Because momentum the sea, the elements can drift it away. So no matter how big your dreams are, no matter how big your passions are, if you don't have anything anchoring you down, keeping you locked into where you need to be, you will drift. And I yeah. see a lot of entrepreneurs drifting right now. 
Even and if I, they feel like they are successful, even if they have achieved your level of success or beyond, they are drifting. And I think that it goes back to the beginning. When you, you, you use the term hustle, you, you're hustling to become something. That is a term of being able to be down in the gutters and grit. But what is your worth of your time? Where, where is your competitive advantage? I could build a website still today. But guess what? It's going to take me hours compared to someone that probably could do it in 20 minutes. You know, yeah, it may cost some money. Maybe I have to, you know, do what I'm best at for a second to buy a, an update. But, you know, at some point, you have to turn it over to the professional so you can be the professional and be who you're supposed to be. And, you know, businesses do it every day. They all make, um, I'll, I'll go back to the manufacturing environment. Firestone doesn't make all their parts. They hire a third party to make the parts that can make sure that each one is within the specifications of what they need it to be so they can assemble it all together. Um, same thing with General Motors and, you know, any of these large organizations. What do you specialize in? And when you find out your specialization, then you can move forward in everything else. And now I know you're in your zone. You got your husband barking at you to stop overworking. You get <laughs> you got people helping promote and market you. Like you're now, and so you could just focus on teaching, coaching, mentoring. There's too many people who are wasting years, if not decades, of their lives trying to do things that they were never gifted nor have their interest in. Right. And a great example: marketing. So I had, you know, the, we have Mindster doing the marketing online. And I was like, you know, I really like to do this other part of marketing. And I was talking to my sister at the time and she said, well, what does that mean for book two if you do it? Can you do this other part of marketing that, that they don't offer and get book two to the press? And I'm sitting there thinking, or here I go again, trying to take over some, some other part of the job. Book two is more important than me posting more on Facebook or posting more on Instagram or, you know, or, you know, whatever that might be. There are professionals that do that and they can tell me where, where I need to move to. I don't have to keep taking it back. It's not a game of uncle. You're, 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 um, your knuckles don't have to be bleeding, you know, to turn over the keys to, you know, to do the next step. What you have to do is run it like a project, run it like a business. Don't forget who you are and what your worth are, is. I've seen it so many times. There are people who are running like they're forget about six figures or seven, eight, and they're still acting as that they're on the street calling and hustling like went from the orange. And I and I believe that there's a lot of trauma that comes from that. Like all I knew was it was me, myself, and I. And I can't let go of that sense of ownership because I feel lack of trust, and that lack of trust is within themselves. Do I right. trust myself to choose the right people to help me? 
And that's a, that's a, that's, that's a conversation all within itself because oh, all right. always hire family members. If you are always hiring the person that needs a job because they didn't keep the last job. Um, if you are, um, allowing your space to be someone that doesn't value you. I have done that a couple of times where, you know, people have tried to take my, my customer list. You know, my dad had it happen to him. I've seen it over and over and over again, where you're worried about the trust part of whole of it. But you know what? If first pray about it, look to the core values of the person and in HR, they always say, do a star interview. Situation, task, action, and result. If you use those kind of interviews, people repeat patterns. If, they, if a person, when you're interviewing them, so, you know, ask them for a situation. When was a person upset at you at work? When was, you know, and ask them to give you the situation, the task, the actions, and the results. You can see how they think and how they're going to process your work. And do they believe in your mission? You know, if they don't believe in their mission, then then they're not the hire for you. And um, that's a hard one to always do because, you know, especially things are rough right now. There, a lot of people aren't looking for jobs that, that aren't working. And the ones that, you know, are, they're getting top dollar because they're out there doing what they're supposed to do. So, yeah, it's hard to find valuable, trustworthy people. But... You can do it and be wise about it. Don't give them the customer list. Don't give them the keys to the uh, to the checkbook at first. You know, pick the things that are ones that you know that the ta- and let them earn that value. They have to prove to you. You don't have to prove to them that you're that they're that um, that you they're, that you're worthy of um, working. Working, I, I remember a, a guy I was working with that had his own um, trucking business and he was overpaying because he wanted people to feel worthy. But guess what? Their worthy only lasted until they got to the job and they were dropping things and they, uh, he turned around and one was, you know, maybe uh, rolling a piece of furniture. I don't know. I'm just making some stuff up, you know. And the worthy was, his worth was more than what he gave himself value. He had all the equipment. He had everything, but he wanted them to feel worthy. That's what so, going back to the your self worthiness. Let's we go right. back to that over and over and over again. Yeah, and so as an entrepreneur, you have to know what you, what your worth is and what your purpose is, and know the pillars of self awareness to be able to be mindful of all the things that need to be happening in your business. You need to know your business. Have you read about what other people have done to be successful and how they do it? Once you do all that and become a life learner, oh my goodness, this, this, anybody can be successful. Anybody. But it takes allowing yourself to. Give, your, give yourself that grace. You know, you, you do mention an interesting point, like learning from others, right? But mm-hmm. I think in this day and age, there are people who think that, okay, let me just buy this book. Let me just listen to this and then write all this stuff. And if I do it exactly the way they did it, it's replicatable. And if it was a science project, 
That'd be great. Yes, it's supposed to be, rep you know, you have to be able to replicate because that means that it's valid. And you can replicate some things, but you can't replicate you. You have to be prepared. You have to stay disciplined. You have to stay focused. You have to find the lessons when you, you're going to fail sometimes. There is no entrepreneur that doesn't have a, um, a failure. Some, I can remember my father one time had a, a company that, you know, it was his first big company. It was like $500,000 and he was all, and guess what? They didn't pay. Wow. So who's going to do the collecting when that happens? What are you going to do? Do you have the structure there to make sure that you can get your money when, you know, what it, what you have to learn from every thing that you do right and wrong. Sometimes you put your olive branch out there to do business with somebody and you haven't put the, the safeguards in there to make sure that you're not the one holding the bag at the end. So learn from self, others, put the safety nets in there and work on your skills across the, uh, across the board so that you make sure that you are as successful as you can, you're going to have some failures. If you don't have failures, you're not going to have wins, just like life. <laughs> no, you weren't anticipating having this conversation. I feel like I'm in church here. <laughs> I'm teaching to the choir, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like waving, waving my hand as I'm, uh, as I'm listening to you. But <laughs> Wow. There, there was just so much that I'm hoping that people were gleaning from this conversation. It ain't all sunshine and roses. Maybe you do need to have the star implemented. Maybe you do need to have someone bigger and manlier than you to tell you to sit down and shut up and just take us on breaks. Maybe you do need to examine voices from your past. Like we're having this conversation because I'm sick of having this idea of people drifting, maybe getting some money at the, you know, as they go along, but they don't feel fulfilled. And like, this is why you don't feel fulfilled. Let's but, have this conversation. And I think that while people are looking for the fulfillment, why are they in entrepreneurship? Oh. In it for the right reasons. You know, is it because you didn't like corporate America? You didn't get along with others? What, why? A lot of people go into entrepreneurship to think that they don't have to work hard if they're going to be the boss. I want to be the boss woman. Oh. Oh. can't be the boss woman if you're not willing to get in the grime. And that means, you know, are you going to your networking events? Are you going to your accountant and saying, hey, how am I ever going to get this grant or this loan? You know, are you working on your credit to make sure that you have the credit so when you do need to expand, you can get that loan? It doesn't just fall in place. You can't be a boss woman, boss man, you know, uh, in entrepreneurship without having some humility of what it takes to be that person. Corporate America might bring you to a certain point, but owning your own is, is something different. Owning your own means you are taking all the risks. That means you also have to then also be the one that is financially stable. 
knows when not to overextend them. Are you going to put your house up, you know, to finance this dream? And if you are going to put your house up to finance this dream, are you going to be focused enough to make sure you can pay it? Or are you going to end up losing your house? Because really, you didn't, the reason you became an entrepreneur is you just wanted to be the boss woman. You didn't want to have to work, which is why you left corporate America. You know, you have to, you have, to have a lot of um, self-discipline in thought and actions. Um, and you can't compare yourself to other people's success. In order to get the prize, you've got to remove your pride. Oh, my goodness. Yes, that's a good one. Because if you have too much pride... Um, one, you're never going to ask for help when you need it. <laughs> and two, you get in your own way. I don't do this. I don't, you know, I don't um, put, I don't lick envelopes. I don't, you know, I don't, you know, um, I don't write my own letters. I don't, okay, well, who's going to do it if you don't do it? You know, so are you going to hire? Well, I don't have the money to hire anybody. Well, okay, well, then, okay. Then guess what? You're going to write the letter. Then, you know, I I'm not going. I I can only do this aspect of 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 it, but I want to have my own business. You can't do that. You've got to be able to have a finger in all pies. And if you're not going to do it yourself, you've got to have someone in place to do it for you. And that's where the trust comes in. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm like, well, I knew in the beginning of this conversation we were it was, it was going to get rough. I, I, yeah. I knew it, but I'm hoping that those who are listening, I'm like, they're still, they're still pushing through and they're still listening. And, and if you're feeling rattled, if you're feeling like, well, you know what? You don't know me, Rhonda. Denise, <laughs> go to hell. <laughs> I've had people that want to say that to me or have. I can, I, even in, in, when I was in, in teaching, I had a young woman stand up and said, you know, I, you know, uh, they would like to destroy me and that, that wasn't my exact words, but I'll just say that. And eventually we ended up being friends and I ended up being her mentor because I had to listen to what she had. We so many times want to compare and think that we're being judged when really it's just conversation. It's, you know, uh, I'm sure people could begin in the feeds and they're saying, you know, I'm angry about what you said. Well, anger is cruel, you know, and it does hurt when someone says something that makes you angry inside and it destroys even your own goals and dreams sometimes. But actually, if you're one of those people, I say, step back just a little bit You say, okay, why am I angry? Look at that emotion. So why am I angry? I'm angry because she's telling me what I really already know. I can't do it all, but I can't not have it done. And it's not anybody else's responsibility to get it done for me if I'm an entrepreneur. I got to do it myself. And so then that anger may turn into a little fury and make you a little overwhelmed and, and put a plan in place. Sit down and write it out. How are you going to build that structure? You may not even know everything you need to do. Join a hybrid um, business um, 
organization. There's so many places that have a lot of that where you have your meeting rooms and you just, you know, you, you pay a fee and you have a, the space and there's other entrepreneurs in there working and maybe they have a call center that can answer calls. And this person over here, there's a receptionist already there that can bring your appointments back, you know, Put, you know, put the, the infrastructure in place for you to be successful and relieve that stress. I worked literally um, almost 24-7 for a few years because I wouldn't put those boundaries in place. Do yourself a favor. Do it from the front. Don't be running to pay phones. <laughs> I think that's a, good, that's a good way to end this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing more like a descriptive, like, don't be running to pay phones. <laughs> uh, I, we're going to leave links in the show notes below for like people to reach you, but like, give us a shout out. Like where, where can people like, obviously learn more about Crossroads more, learn more about you and just like what's going on in your world. I would, I would love to hear from people. I try to make it easy. Um, it's Rhonda with an H R H O N D A. ParkerTaylor.com is the website. Everything on social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, Pinterest, what else there? Twitter. Um, and you can just go in there and you'll be able to see some of the other podcasts um, out there. I'll be posting this podcast um, out there for people to see. And um, just if anything else, look for your muse what is going to like this podcast is a wonderful way to getting tidbits from other people that have gone through things as an entrepreneur to prevent you from falling into those pitfalls but don't get envious of other success envy makes the bones rot and it will steal your purpose don't compare just Take the information, find out the, the tidbits that you can do. RhondaParkerTaylor.com, Introverted um, Podcast, um, Entrepreneurs um, is an excellent way for you to learn from others because you don't have to recreate the wheel. But it's RhondaParkerTaylor.com. I'm very winded, Indel. <laughs> <laughs> don't you worry about that. So, this is, this is, <laughs> so I, I want you to take action to what Wanda said. I want you to find your muse. I want you to get over yourself and see that there are other people who are also here to help you because it, you know, it takes a village, not just to raise a kid, but to raise up a business. And so oh. if you, <laughs> if you enjoyed this podcast, if you enjoy this conversation, please reach out to Rhonda. I want you to share this podcast with other people because just having this between you me and your earbud is not going to be enough. We need to bring more awareness to your own personal power, ability, strengths, hope, experiences so that other people may be blessed because it ain't about you, Boo. It's about everyone. We're all a community. So thank you so much, Rhonda, for this yeah. conversation. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you, everyone who is listening and open and receptive to hearing a different perspective that may rattle your cage. It may make you feel uncomfortable, but let it hurt good. Let it hurt good to cause you to spur to action. That's and a song. Uh, well with that being said everyone has a gift that's worth sharing if you don't shine your light nobody can be able to navigate safely so with that being said thank you guys so much and take care and be awesome